So this morning, I am happy to be able to take a break, take advantage of Eric Miller. He's here today, and he is the executive director with Momentum Ministries, uh, with all of... Uh, uh, if I tell you everything Eric does, you'll probably be like, that's impossible. But he does. I won't tell you everything. So um, Eric is going to be sharing with us. He's here for travel teams this week. Uh, I'm also blessed and privileged to have my friends here today with me, uh, Monica and Felipe. Uh, they're here uh, and uh, they're visiting with us. Thank you for being here, guys. It's a blessing to have you guys here. And also, I want to I ask you to pray for... We have a few people that are on vacation, but we also have people that are sick, that are uh, you know, going through uh, different, uh, different things. And uh, one of them, uh, that I got, I got a phone call saying I, she couldn't even really do much yesterday and couldn't get up this morning. It's, uh, it's our kids' director, Judith. It's, it's sick, so uh, I, you know, I want to ask you guys to pray for her. Um, and I ask you to uh, listen to the Word of God and let the Word of God sink into your heart and your mind. But also, uh, it, it doesn't matter if, if it sinks into your heart and your mind if you don't take it to practice. you got to put it in practice. So that's what Eric is going to lead us today in the Word of God. Come, in, come over here, Eric, and, uh, and lead us in the Word of God. microphone on here. All right. Good morning. Thank you all very much for having me. It's good to be back. In a lot of ways, uh, this is a, a fun church for me to get to visit uh, because way back in 19, oh, no, maybe not 19, uh, 2008, uh, I got to come here for the very first time as a travel team leader. Uh, it was called Operation Barnabas back then. How many of you still know is Operation Barnabas? Yeah, most of you. That's fine. That's okay. Uh, so Operation Barnabas, I was a leader. I was a youth pastor in Maryland. Uh, so I've been a youth pastor for about 17 years, almost 17 years. Uh, graduated from Grace College in Indiana. And uh, I, I became the youth pastor at a church in Maryland. Uh, so I love youth ministry. I love students. Uh, I love getting to see the light bulbs go on for them. Uh, and in 2020, God called us to come work with uh, Jeff Bogue, who is the president of Momentum. Uh, and he invited me to come uh, be the executive director of ministry. And so I get to oversee all the ministry aspects of Momentum now. Uh, it feels a little bit like coming home to run the family business. If you know Ed Lewis... Uh, or maybe have experienced Ed. I like to say you don't really know Ed, you just experience him, right? He's like, it's an encounter. Uh, and so Ed is uh, like a spiritual father to me in a lot of ways. I, I started out in youth ministry uh, for a lot of reasons, but Ed had a big hand to play in that. So uh, it's super fun to get to do this. Uh, I didn't leave my church uh, because I was burnt out. I didn't leave because I was unhealthy. Uh, I didn't leave because I was bored or frustrated. Uh, I left because I had this desire to have maximum impact for God's kingdom. Uh, and so my church back in Maryland, they actually sent me, they commissioned me to go be a part of this. When I told my lead pastor, hey, I think this is what God has next for me, uh, he started laughing and he said, that is the perfect 
fit for you uh, to get to go and help train other pastors and help uh, student ministries and churches and uh, pastors to thrive. And the, the phrase that God had kind of laid on my heart was that for uh, me to have maximum impact for God's kingdom. So a big part of what I'm passionate about is developing leaders uh, and to helping raise up the next generation of leaders to be a part of God's church and his kingdom. So thank you for uh, having me this week. Uh, I get to kind of stay here at our urban center, the Momentum Urban Center that's in partnership with your church. Uh, and Pastor Oscar and Tim, and uh, it's awesome to get to be here. So we're going to be bringing leaders and students onto the campus this week that we can invest in them, that we can help them have that ministry mindset. And so it's exciting uh, to get to do that and to get to be a part of that this week. Uh, I am married. My wife, Bethany, uh, is my dear wife. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary, and I have two kids, Cohen and Adeline. Uh, if you want to see cute, cute pictures of them, you can look on my social media because uh, that's about all I post about is them, right? So uh, I love my family, uh, and it, again, it's a blessing to be here. So thank you, Pastor Oscar. Uh, he told me that I had about two hours, so we'll try and make this quick, uh, and we'll wrap it. I, I got I to gotta tease him a little bit, okay? Just keep him on his toes. All right, thank you so much. Let's dive in. Today we're going to talk about biblical servanthood. All right, biblical servanthood. Say that with me. Biblical servanthood. I think it's important. I don't want to just talk about being a servant because the world kind of has its own definition of what being a servant means. And yet scripture gives us a, a different context, a different perspective of what it means to be a servant. Uh, as I was talking with Oscar and, and we were wrestling, like I know you guys just ended a series on uh, overcoming adversity and dealing with adversity. I, I listened to that message uh, and I thought it was beautiful where Pastor Oscar ended last week with looking at 1 John chapter 4 and this idea of the importance of loving one another. He, he beautifully articulated and challenged you all to, to love one another. And what does that look like? So this week, I'd love to kind of just pick up from there and, and have that mindset of how do we love one another. I would argue that, that serving one another is one of God's greatest commands. And we're going to see that this week. All right, so biblical servanthood. Now, I'm, I'm going to go old school. I apologize. I don't have all this on the screen, on the slides. Uh, if, if you have your Bible... Okay, if you don't, we we'll get you one, I think. Uh, but we're going to be in Philippians, okay? So if you have a Bible, uh, you're going to open up to the book of Philippians, uh, to the letter to the church in Philippi. All right, so what I did, one of the things that I like to do when I'm going to teach on a topic is I like to just go as deep as possible. All right, so first of all, I started thinking about what is a servant? What does it mean to serve? What does it look like to be a servant? Uh, and so I want to be very clear that uh, this is a message. The end goal, we're going to, at the end, we're going to pass around a sign-up sheet for you all to serve and, and be joining the nursery staff and the children's team and serve. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. Oscar was like, yes, do that. I'm teasing you, okay? We're going to tease him. We'll tease you. All right? Uh, the goal, listen, hear me. The goal is not, while, while yes, there are people, those of you who serve in the church, yes, that's needed. Yes, that's important. But this is not a message about we need more nursery workers, okay? I want to be very clear. Pastor Oscar did not ask me to speak on that because there's a, a need that needs filled. 
it's because biblically speaking, this is what God invites us to do. He's literally made a way, as we're going to discuss this this morning, He's literally made a way for us to be a part of His kingdom's work that we would serve one another. That we would serve in such a way that it reflects the nature, the love of God in a powerful way to those around us. So one of the first things I like to do when I'm teaching is I think, okay, what's the the definition of being a servant? I looked it up, dictionary.com, right? You ever do that? Like, what does this word really mean? Dictionary.com, it says this, a servant is a person employed by another. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Is that a good definition? Thumbs down. I see some thumbs down. I like this. I like you guys. Give me the response. Honestly, think about it. Like, being a servant, like, employed, you get paid by someone. That, that doesn't mean, in my definition of being a servant, that, that's not serving. You, you got paid. You received something for doing. So then I kept reading uh, another definition. It said, a person in service to one another. Now, I don't know about you, but I was taught that you don't use the word to define the word. So I'm like, thumbs down to that one, like, a person in service to another one. I kept reading, a person employed by the government, a public servant. I'm like, man, really? Dictionary.com? These are your definitions of the word service? Seriously? Man, so then I started thinking, okay, let's go to God's Word. I started thinking of all the passages of Scripture that talk about being a servant. Some of them we'll look at today. But turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. One of the most beautiful pictures, I would argue, is found of being a servant in Philippians chapter 2. My mind immediately went to this passage. Okay, Then I looked it up in some Bible commentaries. I looked it up in, in, in biblical definition. And it says this, a definition. Someone who sets aside all of their rights to serve someone else. That's a servant. That, I would say, is a thumbs up. That is a good definition of being a biblical servant. Someone who sets aside, they literally, like, they, they consciously choose to put aside all of their privileges, all of their priorities, all of their power, all of their control, everything that they have in order to serve someone else. Now look at Philippians chapter 2, verse Three, it says this, I'm reading out of the ESV, the English Standard Version, or some like to call it the Extra Spiritual Version. I like that one. Alright, it says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. I looked that word up too, conceit. It's this idea of being egotistical, the vanity. It's excessively favoring yourself. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you, verse 4, look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Okay, now hold up. Hang on. Pause. Can I be honest? That's for you, Dan. Can, can I be honest with you? Yes? Seriously? Don't just tell me that because I'm like the guest speaker. Can I be honest? You ever find a verse in Scripture that you don't really like? There it is. There's one. I'll add it to my list. Okay? I have a list of passages 
of Scripture that I that like I love God's word. It, it's powerful. It's living and active. Don't don't mishear me. But if I'm honest, I asked you. You said yes. Can I be honest? I don't like that verse. And I'm going to bet, I'm going to guess, that if you're honest with yourself, if you're really honest, not like you're like Sunday, we're sitting in church, like i got to be the good Sunday Christian, but if you're in your heart of hearts, if you're really honest, you don't like that verse either. Let me read it again. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Man, really? Really, Paul? Really? That's what you're going to write? Can you imagine being the church in Philippi and you get this letter? Oh, Pastor Paul wrote us a letter. Let's open it. Let's read it. The pastor, Pastor Timothy, stands up in front of the church and he's like, Church, we got a message. We got a letter from Paul, our founding pastor. Here it is. And he's reading this letter and he gets to this part of the letter. If I'm in that church in Philippi and, I, and Paul gets to that part and he reads it, or Timothy gets to that part and he reads it, I'm like, Hold up. Hang on. Wait a second. Seriously? Really? I like to say, I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. One of my favorite jokes to make is it's Eric's special version. But listen, let me be real with you. Eric's special version, if, if I were writing this passage, it would go like this. Do everything from a place of pridefulness, thinking only of yourself. And sure, think of others, be kind to them, but let's not get carried away here. Consider their interests, but only after your needs are met. Have this mindset among yourselves, which is really what Jesus would want, right? Isn't, if we're honest, hear me, if we're honest with ourselves, isn't that really what's in our heart? When you have an opportunity, you see a need. You see a need to step in and serve. I believe wholeheartedly that your reflex, your, your natural like knee-jerk reaction, your reflex reflects your heart. I'll say that again. Your reflex in a moment of need reflects your heart. You ever have that moment? You, you're, you like, you're stopped at an intersection. You see someone. They clearly have a need. And it, it's like easy. It, you could easily give them some money. You could easily, maybe you keep like a blessing bag in your car. You could easily give them some, you could easily meet a need, but your knee-jerk reaction is like, don't look at them. You're uncomfortable. Don't, don't look at them. Don't make eye contact. Because now if I make eye contact, I have to do something. Literally just last week, this happened to me three times. I was in Philadelphia last week. Three times I'm filling up my car with gas and someone approaches me. They come up to me. Hey friend, would you would you fill up my gas tank? Would you be willing to fill up my gas tank? Has that ever happened to you? And you like you they they're I'm like they're talking to me. I can't just walk away. That would be rude. So what do you do? What do you do? Do you meet a need? Do you step in? Do you serve? Now those are honestly those are easy. Those are easy situations. What do you do when it like hits close to home? What do you do when there's like a legit, real need to serve, to step in? 
I want to think about it in this context. Let's read this verse again. And I want us to just kind of break it down a little bit because uh, sometimes it's, it's important to not take a passage out of context. All right? So let's look at a little bit more of what Paul is writing to Timothy and to this church. He says this to go back to verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from His love, the emphatic here is the, the yes. Yes, there is. Yes, there is encouragement. Yes, there is comfort from His love. Any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, He says, then complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and in one mind. In one mind to be unified. To be connected because we're a part of the body of Christ. Because we have right relationship with Him. Then He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Alright, in my study of this word biblical, my, my desire to have biblical understanding of the word servanthood, I went back all the way back to the Greek. Okay, I'm not that smart. I looked it up on the internet. I went back to the Greek. The Greek word in the original language, it means doulos. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. I'll be honest with you. Doulos. It just sounds good, right? Just go with it, Eric. Pretend. Doulos. It literally means slave. Bond servant. That's what the word servant means. To be a slave. To be a bond servant. Do you guys know what this, this picture is? Let, let me illustrate it with, for you. Now, I know, forgive me. This is super cheesy, but go with me. You'll remember it. Okay? Uh, Oscar, can you come up here? I, I didn't have any handcuffs. I thought it would be weird to bring handcuffs with me. Uh, on the plane. So I brought zip ties. Okay, so Oscar, can you come up here? Are you prepared for this, buddy? No, he's not. Are you ready? All right. Now, I just told you that the the word servant means slave, bond servant. So what do you think I'm going to do with these zip ties? (laughs) I love the look on his face. All right, here's what we're going to do. Now, I, I, could, I could say, we could play this out a number of ways. I could say, I'm going to make you my slave, and I'm going to tie you up, and I'm going to zip tie your hands together, and then you have to do whatever I tell you. But that's not, hear me, that's not a biblical picture of servanthood. Think about this. When you read the Gospels, what did we see Jesus do all the time? All the time, what did we see him do? He says, my father and I... My father wants me. My father says, I prayed about it and this is what God told me. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. Right? That's literally a Bible verse. And so it's this picture where, take these, pretend to put them on. They're not big enough to fit around Oscar's meaty wrists or mine. So it's this picture where, where you're zip-tied together... You're going to be tied to me. If you're Jesus, let's make the pastor here the Jesus picture in this figure. It, being a servant means I am going to... Now, it's not going to work, but it literally means being connected, being tied together. Oh, you hear that? Ooh. Okay, ready? Ready for this? Okay. Now, I left the scissors in your office. So... Okay, tie that one. 
come on, dude, don't be a chicken. (laughs) See, he's afraid. You're supposed to be Jesus in this example. All right. Now, I'm not really going to do this, but if we did, we would be locked together, right? We would be now locked together, okay? So, if I'm a servant and he's Jesus, I know you really have to use your imagination here, okay? Sorry, Pastor. But if, if this is Jesus, if this is your relationship, there's days where, where Jesus is like, hey, we're going to go serve these people. And there's days where you're like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I don't want to do that. Yeah, but there's needs. Yeah, but look, Roy's here and there's needs. There's a lot of need. There's a lot of things we've got to serve. And like, no, no, no. Being a servant means you go where he goes. It means your heart breaks for the things that break his. Right? I told you that's cheesy, but you'll remember it, right? Okay, you can go sit down. You can take all this. Thank you. <laughs> Come on, give him a round of applause. Thank you. <laughs> I told him I was going to make him get out of his comfort zone because he made us go greet each other and get out of our comfort zones. There you go. All right. Listen. Church, hear me. Hear, hear my heart in this. Some of us, I'll be, I, I, I will be fully honest with you. There are days where I'm like, God, really? Really? You want me to do that for them? Really? And he's like, yes. You need to take out the trash, Eric. Your wife wants you to, like, really? You want me to feed my kids today? They're so annoying right now. Really? Now, I'm making light of something simple, right? But if we're honest, I asked if I could be honest with you. If you're honest with yourself, aren't there days where you're like, God, really? Really? I got to help this person? Really? I got to do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Do nothing. But if you're a servant, a bond servant, and you're connected to Christ, and you have His heart, and you have His mind, His reflex becomes your reflex. You go where He goes. And do you think that Jesus came to earth begrudgingly? Oh man, God, really? Eric? Oh, He's so sinful. He's so messed up. Seriously, him? I gotta die for him. I gotta pay the price that he deserves to pay? Really, God? Do you, Jesus didn't do that. You guys, do you, do you, do you understand? Let, let's keep reading. Verse 6, Philippians 2. Let's go back. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in. In Christ Jesus. Being connected. Him. He goes on and he says, Who who though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. Look at this. This is amazing. Verse 7, But he emptied. He emptied himself. He set aside all. Of his privileges, 
He set aside all of His power. He set aside all of His control. He emptied Himself by taking the very form of what? Of a servant. Not a dictionary.com servant. A biblical servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point where it was only convenient for Him on one day a week, Sunday morning at 10.45, when it was supposed to be convenient. Is that what it says? That's what Eric's special version says, but that's not what the Bible says. He humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death. I love what Paul says, even death on a cross. You know the gospel story, the cross, where they beat him, where they mocked him, where they nailed him and hung him and embarrassed him. Talk about humbling yourself. Talk about a servant. Man. Therefore, verse 9, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus... Are you seeing this? That at the name of Jesus, what? Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Are, are you seeing this pattern? When I am connected in, in bond service as a slave to Jesus, and I go and serve the people that are around me, it changes my perspective, my reflexes change, my heart changes, my attitude changes, my mindset changes, and it's not for me it's not so that people can go wow pastor eric wow look what you did wow you're amazing what a guy you gave all that money to those people you did that you served them when i'm not posting about it on instagram i'm not it, it's it's for him it's for jesus it's to make much of him and He modeled this for us. Literally, go back and read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Read any of them with this lens to, to literally like look and see how Jesus modeled being a servant. How He led. How He ministered. He could have had people waiting on Him hand and foot. He didn't. He served the disciples, they're constantly like looking for him. Where'd Jesus go? He, he, he's lost again. He's, he's out helping. He's out serving. He's out healing. He's out ministering. He's out praying. He's out... They couldn't even keep track of him. His own parents couldn't even keep track of him. They didn't even know where he was. He's out teaching people. He's out telling people. He's out helping God make sense to the people around him because of how he loved. Because of how he served because of how he put other people's needs ahead of his own. So it makes perfect sense when Paul, 
Look at how he introduces himself, by the way, in verse 1 of chapter 1 in Philippians. Paul and Timothy, what? Servants. Servants of who? Christ Jesus. Do you ever introduce yourself that way? Do you think of yourself that way? I'm a bond servant. I'm a slave to Jesus. And where he goes, I go. And how he leads, I lead. And how he thinks, I think. And how he loves, I love. And how he serves, I serve. How he helps, I help. It's one. It's unison. Now here's the beautiful thing. When we do that in our relationship with Christ, we are actually united as well. We are connected as well. We are in unison as well. And the outside world begins to look and they're like, what is going on with that church over in Norwalk? Man, they are doing something amazing. They are actually meeting needs in their community. They are actually pointing people to Jesus. They are actually helping and making a difference. They are actually adding value. What's going on? What's, what's with these people that they like actually love? They actually do what they say they're going to do. What's going on? It's, it's crazy to think about. Now again, I, I told you I want to be honest. You gave me permission. Here's the trick. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the challenge. For many of us, Myself included. I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to do things when it's easy. When it doesn't cost me much. And I'll probably pat myself on the back and say, Man, that was good. I served today. But my focus, my perspective... My heart is still wrong. It's not connected to Him. It's still about me or you. Listen, there is no joy in the life of a Christian who puts themselves above others. Do you agree with that? I have found this to be very true. There is no joy in the Christian life when you put yourself Above others. It's true. It's one of those, I don't like it, but it's true. It's true. Jesus modeled this. He did not think of himself. He was continually thinking of others. It wasn't a role he played. It's not like he was an actor in a movie. Some of you watch The Chosen. It's real. That's who he really is. Is many of us are willing to serve others as long as it doesn't cost me much or cost me anything. Biblical servanthood requires sacrifice. Biblical servanthood requires suffering. Servanthood that's not biblical, that costs little, it accomplishes little. I'll say that again. Servanthood that costs you little, it accomplishes little. But servanthood 
biblical servanthood that requires much accomplishes much. It makes Jesus make sense to the world around us. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, I quoted this earlier. It says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Now, I know that this is challenging. And again, if we're honest with ourselves, this is hard. This is uncomfortable. But I want to give you four things. Four things that biblical serving is. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. The first one is biblical serving is actually easy. Biblical serving is actually easy, and I'll I'll show it to you. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus modeled biblical service. Okay, He modeled it. And it's easy. The first one, biblical servanthood, is easy. Jesus himself, when he was teaching his disciples how to be a biblical servant. First of all, a a side note. You remember the story like the disciples, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They're like, oh man, Jesus picked me to be his follower before he picked you guys. I'm going to be first. And they're like, no, I healed that guy. And you didn't, you were too scared. No, I, Peter's like, I walked on water. They're, they're like, they're having this argument about who's going to be the greatest. What did Jesus do? We don't have time to go look at that passage. I'd love to take you there. But let me tell you, Jesus didn't rebuke their desire to be great. Hear me. He, he, go read that passage. Jesus didn't rebuke their desire to be great. You should want to be great. You should want to have maximum impact for God's kingdom. You should desire for God to use you. But your perspective, he corrected their perspective. It's not about that. It's about making much of him. It's about being on mission with him. It's about being used by him. Jesus as he's preparing and training the disciples on the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about, in Matthew chapter 5, he tells his disciples, verse 13, he says, You are the salt of the earth. If salt has lost its taste, how shall it be salty? Again, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now think about this. Why did Jesus use this example? Salt. Salt is the easiest thing to put in a recipe. You ever cooking anything? Anybody ever cook something and you're like, it needs salt? It's such a simple, easy ingredient to include and it changes everything. Right? And if you put in too much, you're like, ooh, this is, <laughs> this is real salty. A little too much. I think that same principle can be applied in the attitude, in the mindset of being a servant. Of being a a biblical servant. It's so easy. Just when you see a need, do you meet the need? Because that's what Jesus would have done. That's how He would have stepped in and how He would have served. It's so easy. Just a little bit of salt makes a big difference. It goes a long way. People are like, wow, that was so nice of you. That was so gracious of you. It was easy. I sprinkled a little salt in. I just served. That's what Jesus would have done. 
It's easy. It accomplishes significant things when you add salt. My wife loves watching like Top Chef. She watches like all of these cooking shows. Every time people get eliminated, it's, they're like, you didn't add salt. It's like the key and it's the first thing that you do. That should be our response. That should be, well, I'm a Christian. Of course I served. I'm a follower of Christ. Of course I gave. Of course I sacrificed. Of course I put my needs aside for yours. That's, that's, that's what we do. It's this easy. That's our nature. That's how it's supposed to be. The second word, I told you to be honest, biblical servanthood is easy. The second one is it's scary. Biblical servanthood is scary. Look at what Jesus says in verse 14. He says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to you. Nope, that's not what it says. Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Is it easy to be light in dark places? Honestly, it means you need to go to dark places. It means that you need to be in dark places. It's scary. It's scary sometimes. Turn back to Philippians. Check this out. This is so cool. Philippians, we left off in verse 11, that the God exalted Jesus. In verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, So now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. You can't be salt and light on your own. It is God who is at work in you. Listen, church, if I could play the role of the Holy Spirit in all of your lives this morning, man, would I be the most powerful preacher Pastor, If Pastor Oscar could play the role of the Holy Spirit in your life, I would be a phenomenal parent if I could play the role of the Holy I can't. But I can be in tune with Him. I can be connected to Him. I can love and lead and serve in those same ways. Paul reminds us, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's easy and scary. He says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Check this out. Verse 14, he says again, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Why? So that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and depraved and twisted generation among who, check this out, You shine as lights in the world. Listen, friends, when you live in such a way as to be connected to Christ, to have the mindset to be salt and light, 
in our crooked and depraved generation. Some of you, 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 you just you, you, you look at the world and you're like, man, it's crazy what's going on in our world today. And you're not willing to go out and serve. You're not willing to go lead. You're not willing to go to the dark places and to be light or to be salt. And you, you stay inside and you get on Facebook. And you're like, I'm going to quote this verse and tell these people this is how it should be. This is truth. That's not being salt and, and mixing it. That's hiding under a bushel. Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to sacrifice? To be lights in the darkness. The third biblical servanthood is word biblical servanthood we said is easy it's scary the third one is it's public it's public listen hear me social media it's not really public <laughs> oftentimes when when we look at the whole of scripture and this corporate servanthood the church of Jesus when we serve together being united through our bond and our relationship in Christ when we serve in that way, we get to have huge maximum impact for God's kingdom. He uses us in our community. He uses you in your workforce. He uses you in your neighborhood. He uses you in, in, in major ways. It's public. When you go run a, a vacation Bible school, when you go feed the homeless, when you go, hey, let's get a group of us together and let's go do this. Let's go serve. Let's go meet needs. It's beautiful. It helps Jesus make sense to people around you. It's this being uh, blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation where you get to shine like lights in this dark world. It's powerful. And yet, the fourth word, biblical servanthood, it's easy, it's scary, it's public, and it's also private. It's individual. It's got to be private as well. Where again, you're not, hey, you're not posting on Instagram or Facebook. I just fed this homeless guy. I just made that. But it's, that's making a big deal about you. Not him. When you combine, I honestly believe when you combine those, it's easy, it's scary, it's public, it's private. When you combine that, when you have this mindset of Christ Jesus, we too can be biblical servants. Here's the beautiful thing. Look at Philippians chapter 3. I love this letter that Paul wrote. I'll end with this. Philippians chapter 3 says uh, in verse 7, says, Whatever gain I had, I count everything is loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake for his sake that's this bond servant picture that's this mindset where he's like I am connected to Christ for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things he set them aside and he counts them rubbish he says in order that I might gain Christ. Man, I wish I, 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 I want to be that way. I wish I could be that way. I'm not there day in or day out. I'm not there every minute of every hour. 
But the more I do it, the more I serve in this way, the more that's my mindset, the more that becomes true of me and how I live my life. And it can be true of you as well. Count everything worthless, rubbish, in order that you may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Look at verse 10. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His, look at this word, sufferings. It cost to be a servant. It cost to sacrifice. That I may know Him in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible, I would attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul lived this way. The disciples lived this way. When you look at what they went on to do, it was because they served because they had an interaction with the Lord and they saw how God loved them and what He did for them. That's why they served. Because of how He loved them and what He did for them. And if we understood that as well, what God did for us and how He loved us, then we would serve others with that same heart and that same mindset. Let me pray for us. God, thank You God, thank you. That's probably all we need to say is just thank you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for not only modeling to us how we should live and how we should love, but God, thank you for loving us enough to send your one and only Son to pay the price that that I deserved. To pay the price that was meant for me. Jesus, you did that. And I thank you that you did that for me. I thank you that you did that for my friends here. And Jesus, I thank you that you modeled how to live in such a way that we could serve others, that we could with humility put others' needs ahead of our own and to serve and to point people to you. God, would you use this church and these believers, and my friends here today, and me included, in powerful ways to point people to you because of how we love and because of how we serve. God, it is not about us. It is all about you. Would you remind us of that today? And Lord, as we sing this last song, There's a a lyric, there's a a verse, a line in this song, God, that talks about how you filled us up that we might be emptied out again. 
So God, forgive some of us who we've been cut off from you. We've been separated from you. We've been selfish. We've been wandering. We've been trying to do it on our own. And we're empty. And we have very little to offer. So God, in this moment as we sit here today in your presence and hearing from you, would you fill us back up again? God, that we would have something to offer. That we might be able to serve. That we too might be like your son, emptied out for the sake of others. For the sake of your kingdom to point people to you. To be used by you. To be a part of your kingdom's work. That we might, at the end of the day, say, God, thank you. Thank you for using us. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you. Amen.